Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 14, as we will go on to the message. Is the, the title of today's message is, The Year of Being Rooted and Grounded. The Year of Being Rooted and Grounded. Why is it that we want to be rooted and grounded this year? Because this year we want to be the year. We want it to be the year that we move, that we shift, that we grow from spiritual infancy maybe. Maybe a, a spiritual infant that we just came to Jesus Christ. Or maybe we came a while ago but we are struggling when it comes to our spiritual growth. And maybe last year you struggled a little bit when it came to your spiritual growth. Well, we want this to be the year where there is spiritual growth in your life. Where you move from that spiritual infancy into spiritual maturity. Did you know what that means? Uh, that, that's rooted and grounded is all about spiritual maturity. It's all about growth. It's all about you growing in your faith with the Lord. You see, that's the ultimate now goal as a church that we will have. A lot of times we have different core values or different mission statements, or whatever it would be this year. We have one. We want to be rooted and grounded. Why is it that we want to be rooted and grounded? Because that's the ultimate goal as the church should be. That what we would be so rooted and grounded in love that there would be no distractions or temptations that take us away from the Lord. How many of us experienced some distractions and temptations last year that took our attention away from God? We, we look all around our world, there's so many distractions taking place. There's distractions taking place in culture, in the media, whatever it would be. There's distractions and temptations taking place of sin wherever we go. And if we are not a church that is rooted and grounded in love, we will not grow spiritually to the potential and to the capacity that God has for us. And we will be repeating the same spiritual year that we had last year or the year before again. And we don't want to do that. There are times that we start the year and we have a resolution or we have something that we want to accomplish. And maybe it's, you know what, the, 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 the most common one for every believer. What do I want to do this year? This year, I want to get closer to God. <laughs> and, and we do want that. We want to get closer to God. But what does it mean to get closer to God? How are you going to do that? <laughs> How are you really going to get closer to God then? You see, you cannot get closer to God if you're not rooted and grounded in Jesus. There's no way. Or maybe you say, you know what, this year I want to be a better husband. Or for the ladies, I want to be a better wife. This year I want God to do a miracle in my marriage. Well, that's not going to happen the right way. That will not happen if you're not rooted and grounded in love, in the love of God. That's why we need to start there. We need to start in being rooted and grounded in love. I was sharing with the servants earlier that I went to a pastor's breakfast and the pastor shared, you know what, your marriage will fail the moment that you love your spouse more than you love God. <laughs> That's when your marriage will begin to fail. The moment that you love your spouse more than you love God. We are called to love God above everything else and anything else comes separate. Second. You see, that's why we must be rooted and grounded. Maybe you want to have a better relationship with your children. And you're thinking about your children. I want to have a better relationship with them. Well, it starts with you being rooted and grounded with God. Well, you want to fill out that ministry questionnaire and start serving. And I, I want to be a part. I want to get involved. I'm encouraged with what's taking place. I don't want to just come to church. I want to be the church. But that starts with you being rooted and grounded in love. I'm going to give you seven things I want you to jot down as when you think about being rooted and grounded of what they mean or what they look like. 
Number one, rooted and grounded means, number one, it means spiritual maturity. And please write that down because I want you to remember these things. I want them to mean something to you. I want them to really just have some value that when you go home, you say, you know what? I'm rooted and grounded and the goal is spiritual maturity. It starts there. Number one, it's spiritual maturity. Number two, what rooted and grounded is, it means or it looks like this fireproof strength. I love that, how it sounds, fireproof strength. Because you will go through the fire this year, but you want to have that strength that you're rooted and grounded, that you last or you go through the test of the fire. Fireproof strength. Number three, what rooted and grounded looks like and what it means is consistency. Now, a lot of us, we want to grow with the Lord. We want to be involved in the church. We want the Lord to see and do a work in our lives and in our families. However, it is difficult for us to be consistent. We want to talk about commitment, but it's a very inconsistent commitment. It's a commitment that starts well, but it doesn't finish well. And I want to encourage you today, as we start the year, that you would be consistent even in your coming to church. That that would not be something that's inconsistent in your schedule. Maybe last year you were like, you know what, I had some seasons where I was really good about coming to church. And then there was some where I wasn't really, I mean, it just so many distractions that were taking place in my schedule. It wasn't a priority. I would pray that rooted and grounded for you means being consistent. I was having a conversation uh, just with my dad the other day. And we were looking back about how it, it was, you know, living in a time where people were so hungry for God and the things of God. Now, remember, there was a time where, where church was a priority for people that were believers, and everything else came second. That means that you worked your schedule around church. <laughs> but now we're living in a time of so many distractions is that you work now church around your schedule. <laughs> and now it's, you know, it, I'm going to do my own thing. And if I have time left over, then I guess I'll make it to church then. But if something comes up that's a little bit better, you know what? I'm going to choose that instead of church. <laughs> No, I pray that this year that you would work your schedule around church and not church around your schedule. That you would be consistent. That's what it means to be rooted and grounded. Number four, rooted and grounded also looks like godly character. Write that down, please. Godly character. That's what rooted and grounded looks like. A life of godly character. That you are, your life is consistently now giving the character of Jesus Christ. Number now five, rooted and grounded also looks like personal integrity. How does your life look like when it comes to integrity? Personal integrity. We want personal integrity this year. Not only do we want to be spiritually mature, not only do we want the fireproof strength, we want to be consistent, we want godly character, we also want personal integrity. That regardless of where we are at, we are living now biblical values. That we stand for behind the scenes and in front of people. We stand for now convictions that come from the word of God. We want personal integrity. Number six, what does rooted and grounded give you? It gives you accountability. Isn't that there's something that we need is accountability? The people that are least accountable are the ones that are almost never growing. And I want you to remember that today, please, because maybe there are seasons in your life where you weren't accountable to anyone. And it brought a spiritual disaster in your life because of a lack of accountability. 
I don't know where you are at right now, but uh, 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 the, one of the best ways to be accountable is to start serving at church. Because now you are expected to be somewhere. <laughs> it's amazing. When you start to serve in the body of Christ, there is an instant accountability that happens. That's exactly why I would encourage you to serve. For the accountability and for being a part of the body of Christ. It, it, we need accountability. When you choose to separate yourself or distance yourself from accountability, it will limit your spiritual growth. And, and number seven, finally, what rooted and grounded means, it means that you're bearing fruit, that you are producing fruit. Because the Christian that is not rooted and grounded, the Christian that is not planted in love, will not flourish. And I don't know about you, but I love to go around a garden. I, I love to see the trees and, and, and the flowers just flourishing and giving fruit and blossoming there where they're at. But the Christian and the disciple that is not planted in the soil or the foundation of love will not flourish and will not give fruit. Today what we need is to be planted so that we can have a fruitful year. And it's not just about accomplishments. It's not about accomplishments. It's beyond that. It's about having the fruit of the Spirit for being produced and active in your life. That should be your main concern. Our main concern is not to get the, the next job, the better job, or, or even uh, just advance, or to have the best vacation, or to have the, the better house, or, or the better finances, or whatever that would be. You would be spiritually mature. Because if I am rooted and grounded and the love of God has filled my life, if I'm rooted and grounded in His love, that love that I'm so filled with is going to overflow and it's going to go to my spouse and for my spouse it's going to go to my children and for my children it's going to go to my coworkers, it's going to go to my neighbors because I'm so rooted and grounded that I'm giving the fruit of the Spirit and it's overflowing in my life naturally. And everything else falls into place. Do you see how that's really the core issue, being rooted and grounded in love? It produces spiritual maturity. Now let's go to the prayer of the year, which is Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 14, knowing that rooted and grounded in love means spiritual maturity. What does it mean? It means spiritual maturity. Why? Because we want to be rooted to produce spiritual maturity so that we can produce spiritual fruit. We want to be spiritual ma mature so that we can produce spiritual fruit. Ephesians chapter 3.14 says this, For this reason I bow my knees, this is a prayer, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God. We ask that this would be the year of abundant fruit, and we know that the only way that that's the year of abundant fruit, this 2020, is if we are rooted and grounded in love. We know that means spiritual maturity, but we ask that this would be our prayer. And it starts with it being our prayer. It starts with it being our priority. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. The church said, Amen. Amen. Now you notice that Paul here is a leader and he's praying for the church. 
But his priority, his desire for them, it's not that they would grow in numbers. It's not that they would have a better building. It's not that they would have a building. It's not that they would have a, a very rich and abundant church and finances. His main priority for the church is that they would be spiritually mature. <laughs> I think sometimes as leaders, as servants, even as pastors, sometimes we can get caught up in wanting all the wrong things in the church. And Paul here reminds us this is what we should be wanting in the church. Spiritually mature believers. And look how he begins. For this reason, for the reason of the grace of God, that now we can come to the Lord now because of the grace and this mystery that has been revealed that now He has adopted us as children, that we are part of the family of Christ. For this reason, I bow, here it says, my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's interesting that he starts off this, this now prayer by saying that my priority is to bow to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that this year, your year, would start off with prayer. And notice that this attitude that he has to intercede or to pray for the people. Are you praying for those that you love, that you want to see spiritually mature? The best way to help someone in your family, in your life, maybe your own situation, the best way to help is to pray. <laughs> and that's what he says. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to bow my knees and, and I'm going to intercede. And he demonstrates humility here by bowing the knees, by praying. Because prayer and kneeling down is a sign of surrender, is a sign of submission. You think about when someone kneels before someone else, you're saying, they're saying, I surrender, I submit. I'm submitted here. I'm kneeling here. I'm submitted to you. Who else prayed in Scripture? Do you remember in the Old Testament that these great leaders that were filled with wisdom and were blessed in their leadership all knelt when they prayed? I think about Daniel. He knelt and he prayed. Solomon, he knelt and he prayed before the temple. Paul, he knelt and he prayed. Ezra, when he gave the word of God, he was kneeling and he was praying. When Peter, he also prayed. Scripture tells us that he knelt and he prayed. Stephen, the first martyr of the church in Acts, he also knelt and prayed. And who better to learn from than from Jesus, who Jesus knelt and he prayed. <laughs> Now notice this, our prayer and our posture really speaks of the attitude of the heart because He is dependent here and He's saying to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now He's praying to the Father, He's not praying to anyone, He's praying to the Father. He's going through the Son to the Father through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the Trinity working in prayer? When you pray, you're praying to the Father, our Father who are in heaven. We're praying to the Father, right? But we're praying through the Son in Jesus And we're praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's so much power in the Holy Spirit. And we see that just now in exemplified here in verse 14. To the Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And later on, you're going to see that He involves the Holy Spirit because He's praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. To the Father, in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the prayer of the year. He goes on, verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, the creator of everything of heaven and of earth. Verse 16, this is the prayer. That He would grant you, that He would give you. That because of His glorious and unlimited resources, this is what He's asking for. This is the petition. What is your petition today? I pray that this would be your petition. Verse 16, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That because of God's glorious, unlimited resources... Because how good God is, that He would grant you strength. 
Now, you know what that word power means here or strengthened now in verse 16? He's talking about being empowered now with might. I want you to have power now. I want him to grant you strength and empower you. But where? Not in the physical man, in the inner man. That's how spiritually, spiritual maturity begins. In the inner man. Where is he requesting strength in? He's requesting strength in the inner man. What is the inner man? It's a spiritual man. It's the man that makes the decision to go and follow Jesus. It's that woman that, that makes the decision to say, you know what? I have strength spiritually in the inner woman or man to say, I'm following Jesus and I'm not following after the flesh. So he's saying, I'm praying because God has unlimited resources that He would give you strength. And He would give it to you in the inner man. That's strength. That's the kind of strength that I pray that you would have. And that the strength would come in verse 16. It would be with might or with power of the Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Of His Spirit. And it would be for the inner man. Now where does the strength come from the inner man? Where does it come for the inner man? It comes by the Holy Spirit. That's exactly why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because that's where the power comes. So that we can have strength every single day to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be by human power. It's not going to be by human might. It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit that things get done. Notice how the priority here is number one prayer. And the priority is also now being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to see things get done... You need prayer and you need the Holy Spirit. You need prayer in the Holy Spirit. I was sharing with the men earlier that in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, the Lord tells Zerubbabel, the governor now at the time that was supposed to finish the temple, and building the temple, to finish building the temple, to finish the work, to get the work done, but not by human strength, by, by the Spirit of God. How many of us here know that human strength runs out? You get frustrated. You get disillusioned. You want to give up. You've tried it many times again and nothing has worked. And every time we try, nothing has worked. Well, the only way to finish the work is by the Spirit of God. That's the only thing that works. Prayer and the Spirit of God. It gives you strength in the inner man. How do you get strength? Through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told them, you know, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, where does the power come? The power to overcome the flesh in the inner man comes from the Holy Spirit. The reason why a lot of us fail when it comes to the inner person is because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the victory over the flesh. You see how prayer is so important to give us victory over the flesh? Because our human resources are limited. But our divine and spiritual resources in God, which is the Holy Spirit, are unlimited. You cannot live a life with power without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So he was praying. I pray that they are empowered by the Holy Spirit in the inner man to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Can we start to pray this prayer to say, Lord, I want the power of the Holy Spirit. So that I can say yes to Christ and no to the sin. I was talking to some friends just yesterday. He said, oh, we remember we went to a mission trip in China. We went to this mission trip in China that they told us, you know what, you can preach about anything you want. Preach about it. And the churches were governed and are still governed by the government in China. Very much so regulated at this day. And he said, you can talk about whatever you want. Just don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We, 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 we're warning you, you better not talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, why does the government in China say, do not talk about the Holy Spirit? Because that's, they know that that's where the power is at. 
And these people start to preach the Holy Spirit. These people, their lives are going to be turned upside down. We, the government, will not be able to come against the Holy Spirit. What happens when the Holy Spirit takes over your life? You see why a lot of Christians today are living without the Holy Spirit, and that's why they're constantly facing spiritual failure. Families are consistently being broken. Husband and wife. The same people are going and they're in bondage to sin. Why are you in bondage to sin? The reason why we're in bondage to sin is because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to break the chains of that. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now verse 17 it says that as you have the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ, verse 17, may dwell in your heart through faith. That Christ may live in your heart. That Christ will live in the heart of the Spirit-filled person. When he says, well, I hope that, that I pray that God gives you strength in the inner man by His Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit-filled person is the, the person that God will now make His home you know, in their heart. And this is exactly what he tells us in verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The more that you trust Him. The more that you are rooted in Christ, the more that you are believing in Him, the more that you are going to Him, your heart will become His home. Does God look, feel like a stranger? Does Christ feel like a stranger in your heart today? Because the more that you trust them, because the inner man is strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? Your heart becomes His home. That He dwells in your heart. He lives in your heart. That you were able to say, you know what, I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Christ is in me. Christ is in me. That's what it means to say Christ is in me. The power of the Holy Spirit has come upon me. Christ is in me. My, he dwells in my heart. That Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. The more that you trust Him, He now will make Himself at home in your heart. And as He makes Himself at home in your heart, it tells us that you would be rooted and grounded in love. That is the key though. Those are the two words. Somebody asks you at work. Somebody, a family member, a, a relative, a friend, whoever would be, asks you, well, what do you want to accomplish this year? This year I want to be rooted and grounded. Last year I wasn't rooted and grounded in love. I was rooted and grounded in something else. But I don't want to be rooted and grounded in that anymore because maybe I was rooted and grounded in unforgiveness, in bitterness, in resentment now. In sin and, and, and laziness and apathy. Maybe I was rooted and grounded in the things of this world, but now I'm rooted and grounded in love. It is the love of God that I am rooted and grounded of. And that, that aspect of being rooted and grounded of, it means I am committed now to continually be growing stronger. Now, are you looking to continually be growing stronger? Because when you say, I want to be rooted and grounded in love, you're saying, I want to continually be growing stronger. The New Living Translation reads this verse like this, Then Christ will make His home in your heart as you trust Him. Your roots will go, grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. Where are your roots growing deep into? Are they growing deep into the love of God to keep you strong? Because it is when your roots grow downward, as we talked about it last week, is that fruit grows upward. And if you want to have a fruitful year, if you want this to be a year that there is abundant fruit in your life, then your roots must grow downward in the love of God. They must grow downward in the love of God. They're rooted. They're not uprooted. They're rooted. They're grounded. They're not just moved easily or shaken or cracked for anything. In fact, rooted speaks of, of a tree that is now 
laid down their now roots and twisted them in the soil, twisted itself around the rocks that cannot be upturned or pulled out now no more because they're rooted in that soil, in those rocks. What would it be like if we as Christians said, you know, rooted in the love of God? We are so rooted in there that we cannot be uprooted from it. Grounded also speaks about a building that has been settled. And as the whole building, it will never in the future show any cracks or, flaw, or, or, or now even flaws through failures in the foundation. Just think about that. I'm grounded. There's no cracks and there's no flaws because the foundation, I'm grounded. I, I'm fully settled in. It keeps you strong. What is going to keep you strong this year? It's not going to be the job. It's not going to be anything else that someone makes you feel. It's not going to be your emotions. That's not going to keep you strong. What's going to keep you rooted and strong is that you're rooted and grounded in the love of God. And I pray that this year you would say, you know what? I want to spend my time being rooted and grounded, being planted in all the right places. Not in fear, not in doubt, not in bitterness, not in forgiveness. I want to be rooted in in love. Because love is the soil from where all other fruits grow. Can we remember that today? Love is the soil from where all other fruits grow. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit that we want. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Do you want the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Then we must be planted and growing and rooted in love. We need the love of God to experience the fullness of God. You cannot say you know now God if you don't know love or you're not walking in love, then you're not walking with the Lord. In fact, Jesus said in John 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, they all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What is God looking for in the disciple? He's looking for love. Because in love, everything else grows. The Holy Spirit can work, and the Holy Spirit can grow there. Let's read verse 18 now. That you may be able to comprehend or understand with all the saints... That as you love one another, you can understand with everyone else what's the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, that you may experience now and understand the love of God, even though it's difficult to understand it. How do you understand the love of God when you're rooted and grounded? How do you experience that love? You experience the love of God as you are loving one another, as you're rooted and grounded in Him, and you understand the greatness of His love. And He says how wide, how long, how deep, and how high the love of God is. Do you understand? When you understand how, how high, how deep, how, long, how high, and how wide the love of God is, you want to stay in it. Because you, you know that the love of God is wide enough to include every person, so you love your neighbor. That the love of God is long enough to last through eternity and to keep us now in His will. That the love of God is deep enough to, to reach even the worst of sinners and the worst of a past that you, maybe you think of. The love of God is even high enough even to take us to heaven. It's been said. Understand the love of God. And verse 19, to know that it passes knowledge, but that you would have filled with all the fullness of God. Are you filled with the fullness of God today? You know what, what it means to be filled with the fullness of God is that your identity is in His love. It's not on anything else. There's a lot of people that today they want their identity and, and they want a status in something else. But he's saying, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. That your life 
would be a life of power that comes from God. That, that, that the love of Christ, well, even though it's too great to understand, it would be the one that makes you complete. Not anything else. It's the love of God that makes me complete. It's not anything else that makes me, it's not a relationship that makes me complete. It's not a status that makes me complete. It's not that somebody telling me good job that makes me complete or makes you complete anymore. It's not what the world tells you that makes you complete or that fills you or the fullness of life and power. That's no longer what makes you complete. What makes you complete now is the love of God. Therefore, you should be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Because when you're rooted and grounded in the love of God, you start to now produce now the fruit of the Spirit. Because you're planted in the right place. You're planted in love. Where are you planted? Because where you are planted today will determine the fruit that you produce. Where you are planted today will determine the fruit that you are producing right now in life. You know, and if you're planted in love, the Holy Spirit will produce fruit in the life of the believer that's submitted to Christ. If you're planted in love, the Holy Spirit starts to say, all right, that person is submitted to Christ. They're rooted and grounded in love. The Holy Spirit starts to produce fruit naturally out of that life of that believer. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 to find out what fruit it is that we are looking for. Because when you are grounded and when you are rooted in the love of God, what naturally starts to happen is that the fruit of the Spirit becomes now real in your life. Because you're planted in the right place. Where are you planted today? Where are you planted today? See, sometimes we plant our families, our lives, our children in all the wrong places. And then they start to give fruit of the flesh and out of the spirit. And we wonder why. You know, as husbands, we have to take the leadership role in the family and say, my family, I will plant them now in the soil that is fertile where they can grow of the fruit of the spirit. And that is, I'm going to plant them in love, in God's love. How I'm going to do that? I'm going to plant them that way but because I'm going to lead them to church. I'm going to take them to church. Therefore, the fruit of the spirit is going to be evident in my household. Do you see how being planted and rooted and grounded is so important? There are times where we are not rooted and grounded, so what does the world come and do? Uproots us and take us out there, and then it, it takes all the fruit away. Uproots us, moves us, shifts us, breaks us, cracks us. Because we're not settled. And all the fruit is gone. In fact, not only is all the fruit gone, now you have the fruit of the flesh instead of fruit of the Spirit. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, when we talk about what it means to be founded or the foundation of growing in the foundation of love. I even encourage you to go back tonight at home and read what the fruits of the flesh are and say, I don't want these to be evident in my house. I do not want the fruits of the flesh and evident in my house or in my life. But we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and see here that the fruit of the Spirit, what is it? It says, is love. Now I want you to underline is love because the fruit of the Spirit is one thing only. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That person that is submitted to Christ, that person that's submitted to the Lord, the Holy Spirit has a fruit in that person. And what is the natural fruit? Is love. That person wants to love people. That is the fruit of the Spirit, a loving person. You cannot say, you know what, the Holy Spirit's working in my life. I just don't love them. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, you know what happens? You forgive. You forgive. When the Holy Spirit's working in your life, there's no resentment. 
There's no bitterness. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you as a husband deny yourself to love your wife, and you as a wife deny yourself to love your husband. You, you, you love those coworkers that, uh, that you deal with every single day that maybe are difficult, that boss, at work. You love because the Holy Spirit is working in your life. You come to church and you want to serve. You want to love. You want to give. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Notice, this word love is the word agape. And I want you to know the word agape because agape has nothing to do with emotions. <laughs> love is, is a choice. Understand that. It has everything to do with a choice, very little to do with emotion. Agape. Emotion says, I don't love you no more. Choice says, I'm choosing to love you in spite of who you are. <laughs> That's agape. That's the fruit of the Spirit. I am choosing. The Holy Spirit produces now the willingness for me to make the choice to love people. You see how the fruit of the Spirit works in your life? It begins with love. The Holy Spirit produces. And notice what these are, verse 22. Because now they're manifested in fruit. When you love, puppy, love people, when you love people, it will manifest itself in fruit. You can't say, I love someone, but there is no manifestation or fruit of that love. I love that person, so there's manifestation of fruit of that love. It's love in action. Let's read verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, what is it? Is love, and the byproduct of love is joy. Is joy. You love someone, you're not going to be angry all the time. You can't even say hi to you because you're always upset. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love. But love produces, guess what it produces? It produces joy. I love seeing people coming to church with smiles because I know the work of the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It produces joy. It produces patience with people. Uh, no, let's go joy, peace first. And then it produces patience. I love that order because it convicts me. It says you are willing to have a good attitude and joy. And you have peace. And you will be patient with joy and with peace when it comes to people. Think about how when it ta talks about being long-suffering. In verse 22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Long-suffering, it means that I am willing to be patient in the way I have peace and in the way I have joy. I want patience. Do you want patience today? You want to suffer along with people? In the middle of, of love, joy, and peace, will you be patient? In the middle of love, joy, and peace, will you be patient? And then it says, it's also kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness talks about generosity, a heart of generosity. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's love in action, generosity. But the fruit of the Spirit and love also produces faithfulness. What is faithfulness? It's reliability. I'm faithful. I'm reliable. I'm trustworthy. The people that are faithful are those that are trustworthy. I've been faithful to the ministry or I've been faithful to that job. I've been faithful in my marriage. I'm trustworthy. Worthy, I love, therefore a, tra a, a, a product of my love is my reliability, my trustworthiness in what I'm doing. You can trust me because I love you. And a manifestation of that is my faithfulness. Now it says here, goes on, verse 23, it also produces gentleness. What is gentleness? It's teachability. That means that someone can tell you something, hey, I think that we should work this this way. Instead of saying, you know what, it's either my way or the highway. He says, I'm open to be teachable. I'm open to learn. Gentleness, teachability. Right? But also self-control. That is now a manifestation of love. 
See, a lot of us like to talk, we're so living in a self-driven culture today. It's all about self. Everything it's about self. Self, me, I, selfish. The selfie, right? As well. But what about self-control? You want to talk about self? Let's talk about self-control. You know, usually the reason why people are in spiritual failure is because they're living in selfishness. What, 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 what's going to make my emotions feel good? If you want to talk about self, talk about self-control. You want to talk about self, talk about self-discipline. Because the manifestation of love is self-control. I'm going to control myself. I'm going to abstain from that because I love. That's what it means to be governed by the Holy Spirit. It gives me love with the power to say no to certain things and yes to others. Self-control. What else does it say here in verse 23? Against such there is no law. Against such of these things there is no condemnation. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love, the product of the Holy Spirit in your love. There is no condemnation in any of these things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in your life. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, there is no condemnation in that. I love that. There, look at, think about that freedom in that. There's no condemnation. There's nothing to be blamed against. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is now working. Let's read verse 24 and 25. And those who are Christ. Notice that S at the end of Christ. <laughs> what does it mean? It means possessive. Those that belong to Christ. Do you belong to Christ today? Because if you belong to Christ, that means you are His possession. And that's the, the last thing that we like to hear today. We like to hear, no one's the boss of me. I'm the boss of me. <laughs> no one tells me what to do. Guess what? If you are Christ, that means you belong to Him and He tells you what to do in His Word. That's what it means, you are Christ. You belong to Him. That means that you are submitted to Him. If you're a Christian, that means that you're submitted to Him. That's what it means to be a Christian. I'm submitted to Christ. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and with its desires. That's what it means to be rooted and grounded. You've crucified the flesh with its passions and with its desires. Now, you're, we have natural passions and natural desires in our lives. We have natural affections or natural lusts that we want to go after in our sinful nature and craving. We have those. Everybody has those. And they, as sinful as they are, they need to be under control. But those that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the natural now passions and desire. What does that mean? That if I have that lust or that affection or that desire to do something that I know that does not honor the Lord, I'm going to the only place where I'm going to take that desire is I'm not going to take it to the world because the world will help me entertain that desire. Entertain that desire. I was reading Genesis chapter 1 with my wife the other day. We were talking about how, how Eve, what was she doing? She was talking to the serpent. She was having a full-on conversation with the enemy. <laughs> and then she bit the apple. Instead of fellowshipping with God in the garden, she was entertaining the enemy. And a lot of times we're entertaining the flesh that we eventually give into it instead of fellowshipping with God. Don't entertain the flesh. Because when you entertain the flesh, guess what? You are opening yourself up to temptation. And one temptation will only lead to another. Do not entertain the flesh this year. Take that passion, take that desire. And the only place where that passion and that desire belongs to, it belongs on the cross where you crucified it and you say, I forsake it. I forsake that passion and that desire at the cross. I've nailed it at the cross. 
Maybe it's the passion and desire that's saying, I don't want to surrender. Maybe it's my pride. I take that to the cross. Maybe it's a lust. You take that to the cross. Maybe it's ego. You take that to the cross. You crucify it. You know what crucify means? You put it to death. You murder it. It is gone. It died. You have that under control. It's a passionate, it's a lust that it will take you now to death instead of taking you to eternal life. So you must take it to the cross. Now let's read verse 25. Because if we live now in the Spirit, if you live in the Spirit, which means you live, if you're rooted and grounded in love, verse 25, if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How does your walk look? Because when you live in the Spirit, and you're taking those passions and desires to the cross, you know what it means? It means that you're no longer walking after the values, after the desires of the world, but you're living above them. Above them. These are what the world tells me to do. I'm living above that value. I'm living above that desire. Why? Because I am now walking in the Spirit. Because if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in it. Let us also walk in the Spirit. I'm living above that desire. The fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh cannot coexist. Therefore, you will have to give one up to follow the other. The fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh cannot coexist. Do you see how it's so important to say, you know what, I'm going to live above those values because I want to obey the Spirit. And it says here, let us walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? That the spiritual person, verse 25, and I want you to get this before we end. The Spirit-filled person will say, I want to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of my life. What part of your life was the Lord leading to you? Maybe last year was leading you in last year, but you said, you know what, I don't want to follow Him that way. Walk in the Spirit. Don't walk in the flesh no more. When you're rooted and grounded in love, you've got to say, you know what, I want to walk in the Spirit. Because I've been walking in the flesh too long, and every time it costs me more. I want to obey the Spirit. I want to be submitted to the Spirit. The New Living Translation reads this verse this way. Let me read it to you. It says, since we are living in the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading at every part of our lives. How do you do that? By denying yourself. By saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's how you follow the Spirit. Can we read this last verse? Verse 26. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Well, this is the year of rooted and grounded. But because this is the year of being rooted and grounded, I don't want there to be division. I don't want there to be division. You know what division, you know what division, the Bible tells us where there is division, guess what happens? Every evil thing exists there. Every work of the flesh exists there because there is division. Do not be conceited. Do not be self-provoked. Uh, uh, you know, do not provoke one another. Do not envy one another. Do not be jealous of one another. Why? Because selfishness will limit your spiritual growth. It will kill the fruit of the Spirit. And today you have to ask yourself, which fruit do I want to possess? It's not about a competitive spirit. It's about a consecrated attitude and spirit. Where I don't want to provoke one another. In fact, if I'm going to provoke someone, it's going to be to love and to good works. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses because of just what God has done and, and, and the faith and the, the word of God that we have, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Are you running the race that is set before you? You cannot run the race with sin or with weight that is set before us. Lay it aside. 
What, what weight was holding you back last year? Have you ever seen someone run with weights? It slows them down. You know what else slows you down? Is sin also slows you down. So we have to lay aside weight and lay aside sin so we can run the race with endurance to finish the race that is set before us. There is a race before you. And the enemy wants to distract you so that there is sin that holds you back and that there is now weight that holds you back. Now we see here in Hebrews, lay, us, lay aside the weight, lay, us, lay aside the sin and run the race with endurance that is set before you. Today we start the race, first Sunday of the year. We've already started. We're five days in that race of this year. How does that Bible reading look? I pray that you would go and make sure you have that daily portion, one year Bible reading plan that you would say, I'm running the race with endurance this year. I'm laying aside the weight. I'm laying aside the sin and I'm running with endurance. I'm getting in the word of God. Why? Because I want to be rooted and grounded. I'm going to start serving at church because I'm rooted and grounded. I'm going to, I'm going to have a commitment to consistently be available to prayer, be available to the teaching of God's word so that I can be rooted and grounded in love. Why? Because that's where the Holy Spirit works. Because I want accountability. Because I want spiritual maturity. Because I want fruit. Can we pray today and ask the Lord that he would let us be rooted and grounded? We're going to finish this message next week again as a part two of it. But let's pray that God would give us an attitude of saying this year I want to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. I want to be rooted and grounded in the love of God this year. Not in anything else. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you God. We thank you Lord because your word tells us that and we are rooted and grounded in love. Lord, that is the place, that is the arena, that's the atmosphere from where everything else grows from, Lord. 